welcome back to our Crushing Comics Book Club, reading Grant Morrison's Batman. We're in for a really fun episode today. We are reading material that is sometimes collected as the Black Glove, but if you're just reading along in the omnibus, what you need to know is that we're reading, or on DC Unlimited or any other means, that we are reading 667 through 669, that's one story arc, and then we're reading 672 through 675. You may ask, what about 670 and 671? That is part of a crossover event called The Resurrection of Ra's al Ghul. As it would happen, it is in the Batman by Grant Morrison omnibus, but only those individual issues. We're just going to come back after this episode and read that whole thing, even though there's only two issues of it written by Morrison. So feel free to read them if you want to, but we are not going to be talking about them on this episode. Before we get started, just your reminder that Grant Morrison recently let the world know that their pronouns are they, them, and we are going to be using those pronouns in this discussion. If we get them wrong, we're going to quickly correct ourselves and move on because using someone's correct pronouns is about them and not about us. The Black Glove. These issues, it's a mystery. It's a, it's a locked house murder mystery, which is yeah. my favorite thing. My favorite movie is Clue. I love Knives Out. This is just my zone. Because of that, it's kind of easy to talk about it all as one, but I think there's enough beats in each issue, especially in the first issue, that we probably should try to separate them a little bit so that we don't miss some interesting texture. Uh, so in the first issue, first of all, I had a question, what happened to Wayne Manor? They're like saying they're rebuilding or something. I don't know. Clearly it happened in some other Batman title. It's not important. Yeah. Uh, here's the introduction that we need to have before we even get any further into this. They're talking about a lot of stories that were in the Black Casebook. Specifically, yes. they're talking about this truly unusual story that we read and discussed from the Black mm -hmm. Casebook, uh, where this businessman, rich person at large, John Mayhew, starts a superhero club and invites all of the various Batman plus Superman to it. And, um, and the implication here is that even though Bruce wasn't that interested, and even though it doesn't sound like Superman ever went back, these Batman had a go at keeping the club together traveling from their various international locales to the States to visit this club. <laughs> and it ends um, in some some acrimony between them, and they really aren't necessarily fans of each other. And this is kind of like the reunion tour, and they've all aged in very different ways. Uh, Harry, you had not read that casebook stuff when you originally read this, right? No, I had so, not. So did you just think Marson was talking out of their ass here? Like, what was, <laughs> what the, like, I guess what I'm asking is, can you contrast a little bit, like, then and now, what it's like to read this with that knowledge compared to what it was like to without? So I've read, I've reread this entire series a lot. But the first time I ever read these books, um, for whatever reason, I was reading them with Guided View on my iPod Touch. It was a long time ago. And basically, this series, uh, this arc, drawn by J.H. Williams, was really, really bad to read on an iPod Touch because they are big splash pages and interesting layouts, and it was a pain in the ass. So this was not my favorite arc of the book at the time. Um, I, I did, I, I knew, like I knew on some level that like these characters had existed. I just figured correctly that they had not been used much because they're portrayed in these, in this book, you know, not, not everyone is has-beens, but definitely all characters that haven't had the most prominence or limelights or uh, success as crime fighters as, as you, as you might typically uh, define that. But um, you know, this was just to say, you know, this arc in particular is one that I have liked more and more each time I've read it. I could think more as I become a more sophisticated reader, able to appreciate J.H. Williams art more. And with just reading the black case book and getting all that figured out, this was 
like gangbusters this time. I was all <laughs> in on this series. And what I love is all that has been stuff and all that kind of like like odd neuroses and drama and hangups that all these characters have. That is definitely in line with how they were portrayed way back when in those original yeah, books. Yeah, Morrison doesn't really make up anything no. from scratch, anything at all. No. Everything they've used for these characters, it's it's so rooted in those cases. Yes. Issues. This isn't even a subversion. It really is just no. a continuation, <laughs> which is like great. So I love this. I love this series so much and I love seeing more of these. And now that I have more of like an understanding of all these various Batmen, so to speak. I just really enjoy it. And you know, these characters, you know, this all, this is actually a very important arc for the book as a whole and well just thematically which we'll get into later but that that's me i i love this part of the book freya what do you think about this cast of international batman and the way that marson has mined them from those casebook stories so looking at it from that point of view is actually super interesting because i like you know it's like i found it to be if i didn't read those casebook uh, mm-hmm. stories uh, i would have not been very kind to this arc, <laughs> you know because wow. So, and this kind of comes back to one of my pet peeves that I have with DC characters, you know, and that's one of the reasons, like, you know, we, I'm historically not a big fan of DC because I feel like there's this idea of DC characters who are like, take everything so seriously. Like, you know, if this was happening in Marvel, there would be a lot of quips, a lot of people (laughs) insulting each other for being the way they are. And that would have made it somehow make sense to me. But the thing is, the way they take everything so seriously, and it's potentially probably it's just a me thing, but it just just doesn't work for me. So (laughs) there is a Bangla term, which is called cat you know, which is K-H-A-A-T. The idea of it is, is someone uh, like acting really weird. Like, you know, if, uh, I don't want to say weird because it's just not the what I want to put out there in the world. But it's like, uh, I don't know, someone, a 70-year-old grandpa using like, that's sus in a very serious way <laughs> and not necessarily <laughs> making it the fact that they're trying to make a joke. It's just that just gif where it's like, what's up fellow kids you know and not necessarily knowing that you're trying to make a thing of it it was just doing it a straight face i feel like all dc character does it is it is it always intergenerational is it always about an older person doing a young thing or is it any of those like total cringe at someone who is kind of like missing the the cultural point exactly that's what it is now and it's cap 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 (laughs) Yeah, There's like cat. a little tea, a little dental yeah, tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 so it's, the idea is like, it's just like, you know, so for example, this story, if I drop it in 70s, would make perfect sense. You know what I mean? Like, you know, this character acting this way, but not telling it in post 2000 and this character taking themselves so seriously about this. Just... Catman, for example, in Marvel, in DC Universe, is like the the that character that I was like always like ah, take it away. Why is he so serious? Like why is he so like you know? It's just I don't know. I and I always felt like there's that's the thing for me about DC characters are and it's like a, such a me thing, and I have never been able to kind of separate myself from that. But reading that, that all of that feeling kind of came back. But then knowing the black casebook aspect of it and knowing that it kind of comes from that history made it much better. Like it made okay. it made it make more sense and stuff like that. 
but yeah, I mean, I just wanted you guys to kind of tell me how I'm wrong about that, about DC characters. And it maybe got something to do with the fact all of them kind of comes from 40s and then haven't necessarily moved on from that versus, I don't know. So the things that the two of you have made me think about actually are not the things that I came to talk about, which is always really Mm -hmm. interesting. One of them is, I think that a lot of times writers will do one of these things where they pick up a bunch of old characters because they know they can be disposed of. Like nobody's going to get upset and you can have a good murder mystery and kill some of them and Mm -hmm. it's fine. But I get the fact, the sense that like Grant Morrison really approached this with a lot of reverence. Like they really want to write... Okay. Something real about these characters as they yes. would be reimagined now. I agree. And even though there's like some cringe or, or cat to, to some of it, it's actually, <laughs> I'm trying. Um, I, I, uh, I actually think it's really interesting. It's, I think even when I knew they were older characters and I had yet to read case books, I have read this once in the past and I liked it, but I kind of was like, uh huh, he just brought, or they just brought these characters back to have a bunch mm-hmm. of characters to kill, but it's actually so much better than that. So, so oh, you know, totally. I, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because this is that reverence is the one t- t- term I was looking for. Especially DC writer has it that makes me go ooh all the uh, time because I know it's fun and I know it's good for all the people who have read 40s comics mm-hmm. since they were <laughs> all children. Them, all those 40s, I, all, like, it's yeah, fun. All those but this is the same up. reason I could not. Dan JSA by Jeff Johns. Like, well, I, okay. it was just... John, let's and well, John just, has a lot of other problems that... Yeah, but it's just... To compound that problem. No, no, I know. It's just like this <laughs> idea of like this certain reverence for all this old character and treat them with like old man respect. That well, is that's like, the thing. I don't think Morrison... I think Morrison pokes fun at them when they need to be poked fun at. So I that's the thing. That's okay. that other thing. It's All not, right. it's not, Grant Morrison, they clearly have like a love of comics from every generation and just a love of the craft. But like what makes this arc good is that there, there is a reverence, Peter. You're absolutely right. But there's also like an acknowledgement of these characters, kind of like a little bit of the sadness and a little bit yeah. of the, the trying to get to be like bat. They all want to be Batman. They all can't, and they know that. But at the same time, Batman treats them, some of them, like heroes, and he gives them their due diligence, even if they don't feel that themselves. And it's like this mix of saying there is like a a value and a heroism here, while at the same time admitting these are not like A-listers. And it's not it's not the Jeff Johns thing where it's like, God, the old days were the best. Weren't they great? Ugh. And this Ugh. is not that. Ugh. This is Ugh. saying. This is saying there's something still here, even if they are odd side characters. And I think that 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 reverence mixed with like an acknowledgement of like not being the the, the heavy hitters is an interesting flavor, I guess. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons I probably reacted much better to it. Yeah. Because I was trying to figure out that why it is that I'm reacting so much better to it, even though I kind of hate that aspect of DC. But now I think Harry... Well, I think too, when, you know, DC is such a bright, colorful universe. And I think when they get too serious, some people, not everybody, lose that because it's like disconnected with the way that their characters are shown in almost every other form of media. Whereas like Marvel's whole, I mean, there's a whole other discussion, but Marvel's whole thing from the Silver Age forward is their heroes have pathos. They're all messed up people. That was Stanley's whole shtick. And like DC major (laughs) heroes, even though they have tragedy like Batman does, just 
aren't that. But I think that the reason that this works for me is that it treats them with reverence. But here's the other half of that, which goes with Fru saying, it's not afraid to wink at them. Grant Morrison is incredibly, incredibly funny when they choose to write funny mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. I think without, maybe he, maybe they full on mock one or two of these Batman. But yeah. mostly I think we're at some points we're laughing with them at the situations that they're in, at the way they've grown older, at the kinds of ways that they've grown apart from their opinions in each other when they used to be this happy-go-lucky, everything's great, we're all going to be Batman. And that's why it works. So on that note, um, let's just very briefly, please not a deep discussion on each one, just review our cast of Batman here so that we know who we're talking about. So first we have England which is the knight and the knight's sidekick, the squire. Now, as it happens, the knight currently, Cy- Cyril, 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 Sheldrake Cyril. is the original squire who was the son of the original knight. The original mm-hmm. knight died in action. He's taken over, and then he now has a new sidekick, a female squire. Any general comments on this knight and the squire before we go back around? They're great, and they're, they are taken the most seriously, so to speak. You know, uh, Cyril's plot is is earnest in nature and um you know they even have their own books after this paul cornell writes a mini series starring these two what Ooh, mm-hmm. i want to yeah, read that uh, paul, paul cornell, cornell when he writes super british stuff yeah, yeah. paul cornell yeah, yeah, yeah. is for the win whenever mm-hmm. he's uh but the thing is i also want to mention um that there's one one only one which is like the passing on the mantle because yeah. everyone else kind of yeah everybody else is clinging yeah, clinging, yes. but he's the he's the only one. Like you know, this pair is the only one that the mantle has changed. Whether they wanted it or not, that's separate. But yeah. it it has changed, so it was kind of uh, pointed out. Maybe the right word, but like almost healthy, almost, almost, mm-hmm. almost. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like if you go back and read all of the original introductions of these various international Batman. This is maybe the group that is allowed to be seen as the most professional and similar to uh, Bruce Wayne and and Dick Grayson at that point. I guess you could also probably say that for the Batman of the America of North America, Man of Bats. But um, and so it kind of feels like this is in keeping with that. Like they have progressed in a way that's similar to how Batman have progressed a little bit with some problems, but even the way that they kind of lovingly talk about, oh, Sybil's giving you trouble, huh? You know, because that's the way you talk about your sidekick mm-hmm. in a loving way. Also, I mean, knowing a little bit of what's coming up in, the, in this Morrison run, um, without giving a big spoiler, this is certainly a little bit of a hint to some things that we're going to get into with Batman himself. Okay, that's the England. Okay, and also, the knight still has some problems in the current day. He's not this yes. paragon of, of totally, total normalcy and, and well-adjustment. Right. All right, next is... France, the Musketeer. Uh, I feel like we got a lot less of the Musketeer in the original go-round, and Morrison gives us some really nice texture where he, uh, the Musketeer, eventually gets in prison for something, much as Batman often could if the, you know, GCPD, <laughs> GCPD, mm-hmm. anyway, could lay their hands on him. And then he gets rich off of writing a book about it. Like, it's such a, <laughs> such a great it's beat really... that Morrison made up. I love it. Harry, yes. anything you want to add on the Musketeer? No, you're right. It's fun. It's kind of like, yeah, I hate the word, you know, like it's like almost like a more realistic idea, like how like a hero or this kind of figure could like profit off this. But it also, it's not like one-to-one, but the idea of like a superhero as a brand and a symbol in that way is definitely something that Morrison explores later on in this book. So just yeah. these idea, a lot of these ideas drip, uh, you know, trend outwards as we go along. Uh, but it was fun. That was about it. For you, huh? Uh, no, I mean, it's it's like different 
retirement strategies of superhero. So this is the <laughs> second one because it's like first one is like oh the mental or past. die. Yeah. yeah. Second one die die and mental mm-hmm. past. This one is like hey I'm going to get rich off like by doing a tell all book. <laughs> or I a think, movie I think. And I yeah. I actually kind of just genuinely like the musketeer a lot. I mean I genuinely like a, a few of them, but I just really I just actually really enjoy it. Him. Uh, the next one, the Batman of my people, the Italian Batman, which is the, the, legi- <laughs> the legionary Alfonso Giovanni. Let's not forget that in the Golden Age, he was flawlessly impersonated by a mobster, and everybody just assumed, <laughs> oh, they're all Italian, and it's the same. Um, he he's grown old and rather rotund, but he is still intent on um, pointing out that he is he's still living in the glory days of being the Batman of Italy. Harry, I mean, I think more so. I mean, it, it's like an easy joke. Like you kind of just you're kind of out to pasture and you're not fully put together. But like you know, I, I don't, don't want to cut ahead. But like his final <laughs> moments speak to speak to what this book is saying. Like crime fighter till the end. There's still yeah. grace to be found. So he's more of like a plot thematic thing than like a full character for me. But it's pretty funny. I don't know. He, uh, he's talking about his porn movie, which is weird, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh this is like Ennis's superhero. Like yes. this is Ennis version yes, of it superhero. Is. Ennis right. version of retired superhero. Like this is yeah. I was like I read way too many about Ennis books. So, <laughs> so I know I was like, whoa, Ennis, are you here? But yeah. <laughs> So I think three very small things. One, I enjoy that even though he has gained weight, and that is a little bit of a joke, it doesn't turn into a joke, a fat joke exclusively. It's just about how he's washed up. Like, it it doesn't... Yes, you can make the argument that there's, like, a little bit of fat phobia in the fact that they're making the joke out of it, but it just never gets pointed enough that I was like, all right, lay off, which I think they did a nice job with. Uh, The second thing is, it just struck me as, I mean, I don't know a ton about Italy and current day Italy and Italy history, but the little bit that I do know, it kind of does make sense that once the person has this position, they're not giving it up. Like, that that's, (laughs) like, a very... That's very like, you know, they're going to just keep living on their legacy and, and be this, you know, it's like until they're 90 years old and still calling themselves. Legionary. So one thing, one question I did wanted to ask you, though, given your Italian heritage and all of that, because I feel like this is also a, a indictment or, or I don't know, like a pointing out like the Italian men when they grow up. They yes. Just always let oh, go. Yes. Like, you know, it just like the, because I know it from Soprano, so please. <laughs> I mean, those are my people, so yeah. Yeah, those are uh, your people. So. I mean, the Soprano specifically. So, um, yeah, so that's what I was kind of going with. Like, is that the idea behind it? I, I think so. And then I think the third thing, and stop me if I'm just being like a pretentious asshole here, but no. I kind of, I, or, or ever if I am, which could be all through every episode, and then we won't get anything done. But I got, I got a little bit of like an Ozymandias comedian thing from the Musketeer and the Legionary as a pair. Like the Musketeer kind of just becomes recognized and like turns his heroism into fame. fame. The legionary kind of becomes washed up and in a way kind of falls in his own petard a little bit. Um, like, I, I don't think that Morrison is directly referencing Watchmen. I don't think Morrison needs to do that. I just think that if we're talking about like specific kind of hero tropes that I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this one's really familiar. It's one of the archetypes yeah. that we've used in Watchmen. Yeah, I mean, Watchmen is all it's about broad. hero yeah. archetype. Yeah. That's what it's yeah. all about. Yeah. So you're going to find every one of them 
This yeah. is the same. They're playing and, in the same sandbox. So yeah, and you could very easily say that Legionaries also night out. I mean, they're they're all archetypal. But it, sure, I just had yeah. that that moment, especially because Legionary is the one who. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, the Batman of North America, Man of Bats, who is William Great Evil Eagle, and his son Raven, who now would like to be called Raven Red. Okay, Dad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> This this may be the most competent of all of the Batman, and Morrison yes. really allows him to be very competent. Harry, yes. any thoughts on that? Without um, getting too I, far into the story, well, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead, but I really do both like the both of these characters, and I think uh, Morrison has some lovely moments with them. <laughs> um, it may have not here, but somewhere else. Ooh, furry hat. Yeah. Um, I liked the Raven Red. Uh, his arc about it. Like, you know, he likes to be called something different now. Yeah. So, which was like, you know, something in the psych- psychic, but, you know, it's just, I, I, I have a feeling that because he saw the British version, where it's like the psychic became the mantle and now he's. Now he's like extra bent out of shape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's having a moment about it, you know. So, I think I, it kind of felt like that. To be honest, putting the psychics over here kind of really takes the like the disbelief out of it because it's like okay how old is everyone now because how well you know you know like it's like okay if they were well he's like as old as dick grayson is now it actually makes perfect sense like batman didn't bring dick grayson with him but man of bats brought his sidekick who's like (laughs) also the age of disgrace and he's he's trying so maybe he heard about nightwing situation yeah nightwing is now something different so he's trying to emulate that And I also think that, like, in a way that that was one of the more farcical of all the international Batman stories originally, because, like, Batman and Robin are just, like, flying over a a plane and and an Indian reserve or an indigenous American reserve. And they're like, oh, there's a Batman down there. But Morrison actually (laughs) makes it really work in retrospect, which I enjoy. The path, the the final three, I think, have a little bit less texture to them coming into this. And they get more texture during the story. So I think if we were talking about them a lot, they would get spoiled. But they're Europe's Batman, which is Wingman who is the Batman that briefly replaces Robin when Robin thinks he's going to be kicked to the curb, but Batman's actually <laughs> just training him back in the golden age. Then you have Australia's Batman, the Dark... Oh, I was going to do an Australian action, but it's not coming to me. The, the Dark Ranger, who used to just be the Ranger, which is, of course, a funny joke about the Dark Knight in the 80s. And then finally, Argentina's Gaucho, uh, incredibly, incredibly charming. Um, but I think if we were to dig into them, we will start to spoil no, the story. Yeah, so it's time to yeah. just yes, talk about the yeah, story. Yeah. Okay, so basically this first issue just introduces everybody. <laughs> and the <laughs> issue ends with them being like, wait, we can't leave the island? Because they get this message from Black Glove. And yeah. Black Glove is wearing the, the skinned face Hannibal Lecter style of John Mayhew, who originally uh. called these people together. And he is, even in the scope of Batman villains who wear other people's faces, he's pretty creepy. And he's, so the bat, yeah. the Batman are uh, immediately are like, well, let's find, we should mention Tim Drake is there too. Uh, they're immediately like, okay, well, let's figure out where in this mansion he was when he shot that video. Let's split up, whatever. And immediately things go south because the Legionnaire is stabbed much like Caesar uh, and, and left for dead. And their vehicles are all blown up, which means this locked mansion mystery is really going to stay locked, even with a group of intrepid Batman. Harry, what do you think about this big reveal of the Black Club? Uh, well, I mean, it's 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 just such like trace memory, just like nostalgia, joy, just like the name John Mayhew just triggers all these like super intense feelings I had about just reading these stories in the Black Love and all of these these dangerous things. I just love this page. I love the it, James Williams is a beautiful artist. He draws amazing <sighs> stuff, but like he also draws 
horrifying things like the John Mayhew skin being on this man's face and you see and the way that it doesn't like line up with his mouth no. quite yes, that's you see detail the differences. you know most yes. people would just make it look loose fitting but James Williams like draws where the lip just does uh, quite oh wow and then you turn the page and it's just the, the double page spread of just the hand and the exploding boat within it that like yeah. it's beautiful it's like beyond words and like this is just like such a this is the beginning of the black glove, which is a massive part of this first act. And just, it just gets me excited. And there's such like a sense of menace and threats and just, it's hard to do that with Batman. Who's such like a, you know, victory, just like a never losing character. But with this, you actually feel it a bit, which is, you know, an, an achievement. Priya? I mean, no, it's like a standard Batman story in terms of like, oh, it's like, in terms of like, oh, there's a mystery and then we're going to yeah. solve it right um it, it just but it just happens to be all the callbacks and then we're going to be in an island and there's like a locked like who done it kind of thing mm-hmm. because there's like later on um there's like suspicion put on each other and then it's just like we have to work together to get out of here um mm-hmm. i i was kind of disgusted by the whole mouth like you know it's gross things. It's, it's just like because you know everything we know about human body especially in a post-pandemic world where it's like a little spit can make you sick like it's just disgusting <laughs> like you too yeah i want to wear Faces way yeah. less now after. Christmas. Like, yeah, you should. <laughs> I know. I mean, uh, we, it, 2020 uh, took everything from us. You can't yeah, even like, get you know, skin. I mean, you can't even be an Like before, it. you would have put other people's skin on you as if nobody's business. But now you can't even do that. You would have to think about it. I mean, it's just disgusting. It's like, isn't there like other ways of making this point? Oh, gross. Here's the other. Here's the other thing I enjoyed at the end of this issue. I, a few things actually. So a that the spread with the the boat exploding in the glove that you mentioned harry i mean that's that is unusual stuff like yes no words not even strictly narrative almost more like impressionistic at in a way i had trouble understanding what it was the first time i went through it and then i went back and i looked at somewhere i mean you could just have it on your wall as an art print it's just a a beautiful image unto itself and then you realize it carries a lot of narrative weight too Mm -hmm. the other thing i realized is when they all burst out of the house to look at that I think J.H. Williams is subtly drawing them in slightly different styles from Oh, yeah. Uh, Batman especially is like very rendered and shadowed and everything. Um, I think Knight and Squire are being drawn much more like Silver Age characters, especially with their giant eyeballs that are blank white, like an old Spider-Man mask. Um, I think there's like a certain um, like gritty quality to not gritty the mascot, just like gritty in the way he's drawing it. (laughs) Uh, qualities Philadelphia to the way he's drawing Gaucho I just really really yeah. noticed it there and it made G- me like go back through and read a little bit and then finally Gaucho. I can re- yeah. reveal oh is it Gaucho am I saying go- no. Gaucho Gaucho no no it's, it's Gaucho, Gaucho he, but he looks like a Howard Shaken draw yes 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 that's what it yes. really reminds me of and yes. then um and then finally, the reason that I don't think that they go full fat phobic on mm-hmm. the legionary is because Batman says, and don't eat any more food. And we can all see that he's not <laughs> in the doorway. So we're like, here comes the fat joke. And sure enough, he does have a plate of food, but he's not killed by eating the food. He's killed because he solved the mystery for his asshole. Yes. And so that's like, even as the reader, I even me as the reader, I'm like, here he is with food. But no, actually, it was somebody else who ate the food. And as we're about to see... Um, has some problems due to eating the food. So Legionnaire, unfortunately, is stabbed to death and advantage evil. We're placing mm-hmm. our bets on the black gloves. So now we continue to issue 668. Um, the house is thoroughly booby-trapped. And it's booby-trapped yeah. in a way to remind each of these international Batmen of their own downfall slash 
um, arch villains, which again, mm-hmm. great texture for Morrison basically being like, they have been living a life off panel. They have their mm-hmm. own arch enemies, foes and stories. And in some of the cases I like was on like fandom being like, have there really been other stories with these characters? <laughs> Usually the case is no. Um, so a lot of things happen. The sidekicks kind of go on their one uh, task with Tim and the squire trying to figure out this locked room where um, Knight was poisoned. Knight has been poisoned and now has a bomb inside of him. And also Batman, Musketeer, Dark Ranger, and Gaucho are fighting robotic suits of armor. And the big thing that happens here is in that fight, Wingman dies and the squire um, and sidekick class are off doing their own thing. Very much a middle chapter, so I don't know how much digging in we can do without getting to 669, but just anything you think is worth pulling out from this one, Harry? I mean, not to circle right back to the art, but the, the fight scene where, the, the fight the fight splash page where it is the bat symbol with a black glove piercing through it, that's just like an interesting design. This is one where I'm not entirely sure it works as well as others, but it's one of those things where I just appreciate J.H. Williams going for something a bit more interesting and just kind of like scrolling through uh just again like uh, flipping through like gaucho just looks like definitely has a completely different design um and yeah i just really enjoyed the page where wingman dies and you just see like his old version of himself like kind of imposed on the background um yeah but you're right this is definitely a middle chapter and it's mostly like you know just enjoying this phenomenal art and getting kind of these characters shaded in a little bit for you huh? no. Now would be a good time to probably me mentioning that I really don't like J.H. Williams' art in superhero comics. Yeah, I like, think I think we broke Freya down by reading Batwoman <laughs> in, um, in a long ago book. <laughs> oh, book. really? Okay, so you've talked about that. Okay. Yeah, like it's... it's. I mean, I, I absolutely love his art when he's trying to kind of do something introspective because, for example, that glove and then the things floating up, like, you know, the yeah. boots floating up, perfect. No sure. problem about it. I absolutely have a hard time following an action scene when it's super highly stylized paneled and he Batwoman he actually wore like you know took everything out of He like me. wore like a rut way, in your brain. He yeah, like you know, like the same way Peter gets and to be honest, I blame Peter for that because he's the one who made me uh, like you know think starting started me to think about what are the different art of comics. And yeah. I was looking at it from the I was like, it's so hard to follow. Like it's just it's it's I mean and the thing is like because at, at least he's better here because he's like choosing which page to do it. In Batwoman, he lets it loose and it's every single page. And you're like, oh my God, I get it. You're good about paneling. Please cut it out. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. so this is this is where that, that trauma kind of came back as I was reading through this. I'm like, oh no, again, where do I follow? Like, what is the outline? This is a fight scene, not necessarily a... I actually like that if the paneling was that everybody was doing different thing and then you are just kind of getting different story that kind of comes together. But when it's like a scene like that, it just doesn't work. Well, and you know what? I think part of what always strikes me about that sort of thing is it all comes down to how you lead the eye. I think Mm, that panels that are good at leading the eye are pleasant, even when they're busy. And there are points in the Batman run or Batwoman run when we actually really did like that. 
Um, mm-hmm. And you can go back and watch on YouTube for right. evidence. But when 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 it gets too complex, when it doesn't lead the eye, when you're not when it's not clear what the action is, that's when that stuff kind of gets too clever for its own good. I actually am a huge, huge, huge Jace Williams fan, even though I am also willing to acknowledge when some of his lashes don't work. And well, I think no, that and, there and are I some. Was... I think there are some layouts in this book that just don't work. But it doesn't change how much I love him. Yeah, same. I mean, same. I love love his art and I love that it's so stylized and everything but I just feel like uh, less is more sometimes Mr. Williams yeah, yeah. he doesn't, well, he doesn't one... he's not this man's not gonna do that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's not no. coming anytime soon he's a new comic right. now uh, yeah. a few months but the one layout that really struck me was not one of his most unusual layouts it's one where um, Robin and Squire find the secret passageway in the library not just because I was living my clue fantasy but because <laughs> It's uh, it's only a page with five panels, but the panels are kind of in a strange orientation that if you were not given subtle hints of the order to read them, you might make the mistake of reading down and then reading the vertical panel across. It's, it's a tricky panel set that a lot of people will make light of. But James sure. Williams does it perfectly because he drives you over to the side with the motion in the one panel, and then he puts a little insert, almost like a little yes. tab of the panel yeah. underneath to be like, now come back here, don't keep reading down. And then to the bottom. And I'm like, this is actually why he mm-hmm. thinks he can get away with the crazy pages. <laughs> because actually, most artists would have messed this up. Like, right. most artists don't panel this intelligently. And they would have had to do this differently because and not use the two vertical strips. Because they wouldn't have been able to tell you which order to go in. Yeah. But he can. So that I, I, just had, so- I actually thought about that on this page. I was so proud of myself that I read it properly. I'm like, yes, uh-huh. all these, all these, uh, like months <laughs> in Twix and Epic X when we read is paying off. I'm paying You should be proud of him, Faria. You've proud trained your brain. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure, him. But you know, I'm mostly talking about myself as well. All right. You know? Well, the final tag I'll put in this before we just start talking about the whole arc and everything that happens at the end is, I think it's really fun how... It's it's Squire and Robin and also Red Raven or Raven Red to a degree who are um who are getting to do the classic detective stuff. And actually all the Batmen are so tied up with like moving around the mansion and doing all the stuff that they never like took the time, as Legionary alleged Legionary did, to um to pause. And so they're getting mowed down and in these useless fights, which really um, are luring them in in the same way they were lured in by these arch villains to begin with. It's the whole reason they're all fallible. And I thought it was like a really neat little comment general- generationally. And also an interesting comment that basically Morrison and also Black Glove um, take Knight off the table because Knight is a second generation hero and yeah. he he shouldn't be with them. So we've got three distinct groups here, right? We've got the Batman who have clung to their titles. We have Knight in the middle, and Knight specifically being ministered to by by Man of Bats, who's having trouble accepting that his son has grown older and is an adult now. And then we have the 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 second tier underclass heroes actually doing the effective thing. And I'm like, ooh, what a fun little narrative puzzle box that Morrison has put together here uh, to make us really think about like the efficacy of heroes and and the way that generations change the way that they approach a problem. It's a really nice way to look at it. All right. <laughs> I- I absolutely no. Sorry, I absolutely no, no. I absolutely shut me loved down. that. No. What you say? I, I just said it. I was like, yeah, nice. Harry, Harry patted me on the head. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. I didn't no, mean to be I'm reductive. Joking. I'm teasing okay. you purely because I know that you're not. But what yeah. are you? What are you like, saying? For no, I was saying that I absolutely loved it because of that. Because at the yeah. end of the day, it wasn't necessarily just like, oh, we heroes got together and we got trapped and we just 
kicked our way out of there. There no. was some like there was some teaming, there was some like you know separation, there was some like you know inner um like you know talking about it. And I think Harry mentioned it before, where it's like these characters kind of become more like you know their own person, their own yeah. struggle, and everything kind of comes to full face. And I really enjoyed it that it wasn't just like you know and write another kicky punchy it's, amongst ourselves it's story. It's quietly really impressive how much Morrison takes all these characters who are by design kind of similar to one another in the shadow of Batman and give them enough shading and small differences to just show them all on different levels of this archetype and just those small things that say so much about them. Yeah, I think there's runs of like Justice League and the Avengers where they don't differentiate heroes as much as these Batman in the course of two issues have been differentiated from each other. And I think that that really all explodes in the final issue here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Knight, Man Bats operates on Knight to save him. But Musketeer thinks that Knight or that Man of Bats is killing him. There's distrust sown through all of them because clearly one of them is the killer or at least an accessory to the killer. And it turns out that that is uh, Wingman, who thought died, but had actually switched places with our poor Australian friend Rager. And Wingman still resents Batman, still from that, from when he was training him back in (laughs) Gotham City. And he just thinks that he should be the best Batman in the world, not Batman. But then also we have Sombrero, who is Gaucho's arch enemy, who has now become kind of everybody's arch enemy, (laughs) and is in cahoots with the Black Glove, who it turns out is John Mayhew, maybe, but maybe not, because he talks about fearing the Black Glove, even though he is flying away in a plane, which is going to explode in a very Captain America flying on and 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 Bucky chasing the plane away with Baron Zemo in it sort of nod. Um, there's just so many, there's just so many layers to this. So, I mean, it's a fun murder mystery and it really pays off. But Harry, what do you think is like really worth talking about at the end here, other than that it's just a fun, crunchy murder mystery? So this is, I don't know, this is kind of big picture for me, but I feel like this is the issue where, you know, this is the arc where you start to, you know, they're introducing John Mayhew and they're introducing Mangro Pierce, who was an actor who might also mm. be connected. And there are these issues of identity and what what is actually happening. And it, it, it always runs the risk of becoming too you know, up its own butt for lack of a better term, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but like there is a confusion and there is a, a willingness to leave you off kilter and uncertain in this run that Morrison likes to do either through plot or like whether something is real or a figment of imagination or interpretation, or if there's an identity of someone's or another. And like, this is where you start to see that kind of happen where you're not sure what is, who's kind of affecting who in that sense. Uh, so it's almost like in a, in a broad way, this is where you can start to feel that uncertainty shift in. And then that goes that goes extra hard uh, with the next story we'll be talking about. Priya, any final thoughts on this murder mystery with Black Love? I mean, it's one of the shocking indictment of comic industry as well. It's like as soon as Batman went, the club got canceled. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Batman was the one who was holding the club together. And as soon as he went... <laughs> As soon as Batman stopped guest appearing in that team, man. Yeah, they, you know, they were canceled. Um, Canceled. But, and it's also like, you know, one of those things where it's like, um, I think 
I kind of understand where Wingman was coming from, not necessarily in terms of how he was, but the thing of being abandoned, like, you know, being like, mm-hmm. I feel like if he had the support, he may not have become this. And because he lost the support and what he was asking, like, you know, thinking about, like, he was just, it just kind of broke something in him. So mm-hmm. I thought that was very touching and um, tragic in a way. Ultimately, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I was just getting, ultimately, Bruce doesn't really look down on any of them. Even Wingman, Mm -hmm. as Wingman Mm -hmm. is ranting, Bruce is like, I never, I would have never trained you if I didn't think you were capable. And it's really, I mean, it's again, speaking to Bruce as, and Batman, as a father figure, as a senior figure, as a mentor, his tactics are effective, but he doesn't always communicate the feeling that he are going with them, especially as we're getting into interculturally here and i think some of the other batmen are learning from him but some of the other batmen just are getting the wrong message entirely from him and i don't want to chalk it all up to like cultural misunderstanding i think wingman's probably just a terrible person too but it's really (laughs) just interesting how like marzen never lets up on this whole idea of who's batman who's bruce wayne and is everything that batman does that's effective for crime fighting actually humane I guess is what I could say. It's it's kind of the same thing as with Damien in the first Batman and Son arc. It also kind of points out to like what makes a Batman. Like yeah. that's yeah. something that comes in the next group of batch of issues that we're going to talk about because mm-hmm. you know it's just like uh, in what his idea of Batman is and what it should be necessarily doesn't define these people. So when they lose that they become something different than I'm originally intended. Really excited, excited for us to circle back to this idea and this line of thinking uh, later Ooh. on in the series. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Just yeah, I I, I really just am the more I'm thinking. I just so impressed with how this series, this arc, takes all these golden age heroes and these golden age plot lines, but it doesn't. It really doesn't mock them, and it walks a line of being kind of self aware and subversive, but also being earnest and reverential and it's it, it's it's a lot harder to do than i think i gave it credit for initially so i'm really yeah. glad i reread it and there's a few modern authors who are particularly good at this thing marson is chief amongst them i think jeff parker yeah. is phenomenally yeah. good at this yeah, he did yeah. a lot of agents of atlas at marvel and even when he pops up doing a random like flash story or something at dc i'm always really impressed with how he there's no looking down there's only winking and and we're winking with not just winking yeah. at. and i think that's the best way to revive these concepts. That's that's exactly what I was talking about. That when Marvel does it, I never feel it. Every time DC tries to do it, I just cringe inside. Well, DC's got DC's got <sighs> DC's got like embarrassment issues with its past. They try to like square away by making it like juvenile, serious. Oh, but... this is one of the reasons I could not handle Starman by James Robinson. It was like vomit worthy. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's the same reason. Anyway. Oh well, and w- this is an opinion free as I've heard before, and I was like, really? Not... I thought that was a that was an outstanding yeah. classic that everyone loved, and this is how I knew that Free and I were meant to be talking about comics together all the time because <laughs> I also hate outstanding classics that everybody is meant to love, and that was <laughs> my moment of connection with Free. So we now come back to Bruce Wayne trying to be Bruce Wayne here in Batman six seventy two. He's really focused on his jet setter life with Jet. And there's definitely the feeling that he's starting to authentically feel something. Like, I feel like at first she was kind of his cover, his beard. But now yes. he actually <laughs> is caring a little bit. But he can't stop being Batman. And the third man, the third Batman has shown up. And this third Batman has it in 
for the Gotham City Police Department and quite specifically has it in for Gordon. And so Batman has to tear himself away from a base jumping uh, philanthropy date with Jet to mm-hmm. go and be Batman. Uh, we'll get to what happens at the end of this issue as we get into the next issue. Harry, what do you think about this whole Bruce Wayne and Batman life that he's living here? Do you think he genuinely cares about Jet? Yes, I think he does. Um, as but but as much as this person can, which I think is a very <laughs> important qualifier there, because you know he's clearly doing this and like continuing it to a level because he's invested. But there is always going to be a limit to how much he can most emotionally invest because uh he has another job beating up criminals so you know it's it's just a different situation for him um it's an interesting like kind of walk towards normalcy that as we're going to see very soon might get disrupted in a pretty major way but um it is nice to see the guy making the old college try (laughs) free what do you think about this bruce wayne romance i mean unless it's selena kyle and talia i'm like i don't buy it Get it out of here. Get it out of my page. Get out so, of here. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things. I don't think he necessarily cares about Jezebel. I mean, cares in the sense like, okay, he's not a total douche. I mean, he just cares about another person. But the thing is, like, I think he he's feeling like, oh, this can be, this can work. I can make this work, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I can be a normal person. I think it kind of works from that point of view. But I don't necessarily buy it if it's anything more than that. You know, and it's also because I read that. <laughs> I, I, I had this moment here where, like, he does seem to genuinely care what she thinks about him. And I think that continues throughout this arc and, and especially at the end of it. But it's almost like if he's going to start caring what someone else thinks about him, he should he has to eventually let them in on him being Batman. Like, it just doesn't work. He can't have somebody who really cares about him in his opinion in yes. the long term. Who doesn't? We've seen it, like, in his personal life. Everybody who he actually cares about their opinion at some point finds out he's Batman. Except for <laughs> Commissioner Gordon, who only cares about him as Batman, really, right? So mm-hmm. I kind of just made me, like, really wonder, you know, does Bruce Wayne go into relationships with, like, a long goal plan? Like, if I should actually fall in love with this human being, will I eventually tell them that I'm Batman? But that might yeah. be a conversation for another time. I don't know. Harry? At, well, it's interesting because just to kind of, you know, gear up for these shows, I've just been reading and watching a lot more Batman. And I actually just uh, finished The Dark Knight and earlier this morning and Batman Begins yesterday. And that series is totally different where there Bruce Wayne is very invested in actually being with Maggie Gyllenhaal, Rachel Dawes and quitting being Batman. That is like the one Batman story where I believe that he is so invested <laughs> in a relationship really yeah, he actually wants to. Stuff like this, it really does feel more like like at best someone going through the motions or someone kind of just putting up a facade. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, I won't lie. This is not like the most interesting part of Batman to me. I feel like we've kind of like well-established like he cannot fully commit to other humans unless they're like cat people or like assassin <laughs> daughters or what have you. So, I don't know. Um, but that's his you know, life. It's kind of like when you yeah. when you fall in love with somebody like, and you only share a small intersection of your life with them. It's like, what are they going to do about the you that you are for the other however many yes. percent of your life, you know? Well, no, I mean... They have to at least fr- appreciate it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Freehand nailed it. Like, the, the, he's... Unless it's it's with them, like, I don't fully buy it. I just yeah. don't. No. Yeah, and, uh, and it's, it's also like... 
he's he's just dating her, right? Like, and he's not sure yet. Maybe he'll change his mind if the date goes on, like for a longer time. But Maybe. you know, at this time, he's he's figuring it out, and that's okay. It's okay to figure it out for your okay. dating corner. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now this proceeds to so he gets diverted by the bat signal thrown up from the Gotham City Police, and so he diverts his base jumping off of the hot air balloon. Marsden always <laughs> finds a way to inject some golden and silver age ridiculousness, even in the middle of a pretty grim and it. tough story. So he he jumps onto the roof and he fights this other Batman. This other Batman uh just really gets the drop on him, and Gordon shoots him. And even as he's also shooting Gordon, Batman has a heart attack. And a number of interesting things happen in quick sequence, which sets up the other issues in this run, which I think we'll go way more deeply into than this first one. Yes. Um, he has a vision of a giant bat as he dies, as I would hope he would, honestly. Uh, <laughs> he hears the magic words Zer and R, which Harry, I'm sure, will have some things to say about. And also he sees Batmite. Harry, take it away. <laughs> I love all of this so much. Everything you just described is super important for the upcoming story, R.I.P. So we can't get into exactly what that all means just yet. But this is, and in particular, Batmite here. What, what I love about this is that, you know, these are things that we all just read in the Black Case book. Pretty explicit mm-hmm. in that. And these are mixing this part of the Batman, of Morrison's Batman story, where he's taking like this insidious, like hell Batman. Who I'll be honest, I know it's kind of like a basic costume, but I like that costume a lot. Like the Matt the mask face plate and the red eyes. And it's taking these golden age concepts and just mixing them with just this hellish nightmare fever, nightmare kind of like trappings or, or feelings about it. And it just, it just gets me really excited. I mean, the coolest thing about, um, Batman, we'll get into it later, talking about the, I believe, the fifth dimension or the sixth dimension. But like, anyway, you see, like, Batman is a construct and there is an actual creature working him yeah, from behind. That was, I yes. was like really freaked out by that because I didn't, mm-hmm. rem- I didn't remember the implications of that and I don't think we need to spoil him. Clearly, you can see no. this gremlin thing hanging yes. onto him. And I was just like, WTF. Well, it's like that's its actual, you know, that's its actual appearance, and right. Batmite is just this. It's just this comforting goofy design. Look at yeah, the, exactly. look at the birdie. You know? like, <laughs> don't look. At, and I love these because, like, the night, like the art. I mean, they don't even do like a good job at hiding it. You just see this creature like grabbing yeah. onto Batmite. Um, it just and also I want I do want to also say you know like um Tony Daniel, who's an artist I'm hot and cold on. I, I do really like his art here and into R.A.P. because it's just like very classic super heroic stuff but it gets like this this very grim kind of aesthetic and undercurrent very well uh so i i really this is like around i'm just like vibing so hard with these issues i really like these free are you vibing so hard with batmite and zirinar <laughs> and, and the heart attack here i am vibing okay so guys we're like, having fun so, huh so, talk about, so we talked about like the issue uh 30 and 47 from 52 yes uh, i was just that, gonna say that yeah yeah, yeah. that we did not Go in. kind of discuss before but that kind of comes into place over here and i want to say that the issue that's called jill chill in hell I yes the actual issue number this is one of my favorite single issue Ever. you know so i have very specific um things that i look for when it's like come to be like a single uh one issue the other mm-hmm. one is lucifer 56 i believe 56 or 58 it's called that yahweh dance um so the thing is that i the issue itself uh that is a different issue but this one i kind of love the idea of like it's a fever dream it's told yes. in a fever dream 
it is supposed to be a fever dream because he's yes. kind of having a heart attack and then there's a lot of flashback flash forward a lot of different things going on and you're not sure whether this is happening you know like what's real what's not and it's very told in a very cinematic way that is very few comic writer slash artist like you know plus artist can pull through pull through and this is kind of done in a very like you know for me it was done in a perfect way and i loved that the joe chill suffering Mm -hmm. you know and Uh, it kind of reminded me of that uh the bat uh the first batman story like exactly the the first exactly it's like like you know the the so I thought that for some reason this is the same mobster and I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't but you know that this mobster doesn't remember anymore and that Batman is just kind of uh, haunting him Um, but it it wasn't that but the thing is I absolutely kind of loved that it kind of called back to that time and then it just kind of the story is kind of and, rolling forward. And, and you know, my and th- these this issue is particularly like you know it it's it's a dream sequence, but also there is a fifth dimension demon in here, and also like is this real? Is this interpretation? Is this something that he's imagining while he is unconscious with his heart attack? But then also it's starting to reveal the the real plot with Doctor Hurt and yeah. the deprivation chamber, which is yes. not even really like. It's not even like it's like the main focus of the issue. I mean, it is for us, but like it's not even like it's like taking forefront in like the actual pages and paneling. So you just have like this mishmash of like actual plot and like fever dream like interpretations and who knows what. But you're kind of this experience he's feeling is revealing all of these memories and this darkness that he experienced with the sleep deprivation that's slowly bleeding in as the issue goes on. And the, it's just, it's just the, really cool. The blam and with the Batman, that is like the first appearance Batman that looks yeah. like first appearance Batman. Mm-hmm. Took my breath. Away. It's it's really good, and it and it, it's it, just, it, it because it, the way it works in the omnibus that is like a next page, and you are like, Duh. it's like yes. in your face, and the, I just I just love it. This is an insidious feeling issue. This there's like it feels wrong, which is I that's just like a hard thing to bottle. It's just very cool that that happened. I so much uh, <laughs> to say. So first of all, I want to echo Freeha that we said that we'd be coming back to those two kind of slices of stories from the beginning of the omnibus, mm-hmm. one of which is 52, the series number 47. And we see Tim Drake basically sitting outside of this gate cave mm-hmm. indefinitely as Batman is inside. And I think yeah. if you hadn't read that story, maybe this would be a little bit more confusing. And I have read this in the past without having read that or any of Casebook, but this Dogal ritual that he's talking about is that yeah. ritual. And that ritual itself is also reflective of his deprivation tank ritual from Batman 156. So I think this is one of those issues where if you haven't done the Marson pre-reading, I could think that maybe it comes off a little bit extra disorienting or maybe Mm -hmm. because you don't know how much he's making up in the moment, how much is his life flashing before his eyes and how much is semi-canonical. And I think as I was going through and outlining, and I took the most notes on this issue of everything we read Mm -hmm. today, I think it's actually all almost all canonical except for one brief future glimpse but i only know that because i read that new that 52 issue and i read black casebook he's recalling a lot of his early training alfred's insisting he keeps a record of everything funny it's in an a4 notebook which is like a very commonwealth country paper size um Mm -hmm. at one point he glimpses his own funeral so he's definitely getting visions that are both forward and backwards here he sees batmite 
At one point, we're in the Batcave and there's multiple Robin costumes, including a young lady's version of the Robin costume, which I think mm-hmm. says some things about continuity here. Um, but we really dig into the layers under that Batman 156 deprivation tank story. If we go back and take it literally, at the time... Yeah. Batman is like, I just wanted to put myself through this test that the astronauts have put themselves through. And Dr. Hurt's like, yes, we were testing the astronauts to start Batman. (laughs) Sure. But there's like layers and layers introduced as we go through these issues. And clearly we're doing a little bit of referring to the next two issues too here is that Batman was actually doing it to get into the Joker's head. Mm-hmm. But also, it kind of makes you think about the training that he went through to become Batman, too, because he definitely went through some, like, deprivation and meditation as well. So it definitely, like, creates this kind of string of of pearls in the story of, like, Batman occasionally needs to dis- deprive himself of everything in order to understand himself and also to order to understand what he's fighting. But then at the same time, there's this layer of, like, Dr. Hurt was just doing it to try to learn something about Batman, which we're going to get yeah. into in a second. Uh, I have Hurt. more to talk about, too, but let's just take a breath because that was a lot of Peter. Freya, did you want to get something in there? So it's that the whole, like, deprivation and rebirth was also connected to how Joker comes back in, like, you know, the Joker's the, the pro story that yeah. we talked yeah. about. Because well, it was kind of very much connected to that aspect of it as well. Well, it's also playing on the Lazarus pits. I mean, DC, rebirth has always been a DC word, even before DC did DC rebirth in 2016. I mean, even the beginning of G.F. John's Green Lantern was called uh, rebirth. And so it's like one of those DC words. And I think Morrison is really just playing with the idea of like, what is rebirth? Does it literally mean being brought back from the dead? Is it being on the brink of death, if you deprivate yourself from all outside input and and wants and cares, are you effectively dead? Does that allow you to be reborn? I mean, he's there's definitely some uh, um, concepts he's pulling in from some different religious and philosophical beliefs around the world here that really ask, like, what is death? What is the death of mm-hmm. self here? And how many times has Batman potentially died? And uh, you both described this as a fever dream. I really saw this as kind of life flashing before your eyes in, in a moment you where, where you die, which maybe we're using interchangeably because well, this show chill stuff is not canonical, right? Like that's my point. This is, that's my this point. is Batman's yeah. fantasy. Like it's almost exactly. like every time he revisits Joe chill, that's just him capturing some other bad guy. But on some level, Batman's just going back to haunt Joe chill. That's Joe chill's hell, but it's also Batman's hell. The fact that's- that the main, yeah, go on for it, sir. No, I mean, that's how, that's why I keep on saying that it's a fever dream because something exactly. that didn't happen to him, but he but, but keeps some, thinking about it. But some but maybe it, it did, did happen. Well, that's maybe like s- the main crux is like this fun, like, like, and he didn't school. write it in the, he didn't write it in the notebook. So <laughs> the case book, the, fa- the fact that it's such a mix of like things that we know have happened with things that we're pretty sure haven't happened, but then there are things that are intrinsic to this plot and then there are future ideas and then batmites there like it gives like such a feeling of instability but not in a sloppy way i feel like this is like the hardest line to walk but like the feeling of uncertainty and shapelessness almost of that of that book and this kind of like this plot is one of my favorite things of all of these comics yeah and i think it's just it's one of those issues that sometimes i can be hard on marson because i'm like they are purposely trying to be obscure and confusing. Like I read yes. their Green Lantern run that just concluded a few times. Good. 
It's, I mean, there's good aspects of it. There's really cool sure. aspects of it, but there are points that it is obscure to be obscure and you cannot convince me of anything else. I don't think this issue is there to obscure to be obscure at all. I think the more no. you learn about the inputs to this run and the outputs of this run, the more this makes sense until it becomes crystalline in its clearness. This was one of the issues I was really curious how the both of you felt actually, because this is the kind of thing where it can be looked at. I, it could be considered indulgent, but you're right. Like there is a, there is a method here and there's a thoughtfulness beyond just trying to be obtuse. Oh no, I love when heroes are going through fever dream. I love that. <laughs> I live for that. Right. Like anytime there's like, a, it's like kind of like you're not sure. And the, the time is like flashing forward, backward, and you, you cannot hold on to it. I really love those issues. Like it's it's one of my like I don't know. I just really love that type of storytelling, and I think comic media is the only media that you can do it. Like you cannot do it in prose. It's it's nearly impossible. But because yeah. prose, you can't media. trick the reader as much. Like you're still exactly. relying on the prose to tell you something accurately, and 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 it's you don't want it to lie to you. It's yeah. I mean, it can be There's done. A I've read useful, prose that does it. It's way yeah. harder. Yeah. It's like a useful uh-huh. detachment you can do with comics in a way. Right. Now, both of you mentioned that great blam full page splash, but mm-hmm. actually the thing that hit me the hardest on this read of the issue were the two panels that came after that, maybe three panels. He says, but Thogel ended last year. He's, he's squinting his eyes. He's starting to come back to himself. He's realizing mm-hmm. that he was in a fetal dream. The isolation chamber experiments were years ago. When did I die? Which is really what made me think through this whole, it, when did I, when did I die? When mm-hmm. did he die? Did he, did he, in the next one, he says, my God, I had a heart attack on the roof. You saved my life. But he doesn't say I died and you saved my life. He's asking, when did I die about himself? He's asking, yeah. when did I die about this Bruce Wayne that he cannot figure how to get back? Did he mm-hmm. kill that Bruce Wayne in Thogel? Did, or did he bring him? Did he find him again? Did he kill that Bruce Wayne in the isolation chamber? The, when did he kill him? When did he die? When did I die? That- that's like the story uh, answer every Batman writer tries to answer. True. I think I think there's that's a the, that's the there's a thesis statement for every one of them. And depending the on more, who you read, they will yeah. tell you either it's the day that his parents were killed, the day he did his first deprivation, or the day he decided not to kill let let Joe Chill go. It's it's like different aspect of it we i think we have lego a waste, batman yeah. had the perfect answer <laughs> what was the answer you have to watch, watch okay i'll watch lego batman i mean we are we have a ways to go but i do love that this series is asking questions and and starting a journey that ends in really interesting places uh much down the road because there's definitely a through line between this and two wildly different uh acts that follow this but it's all still the same series so i'm just i'm very satisfied right now as a person so th- this is good for me <laughs> well i want to now ease us into talking about 674 and we've already kind of referred to it a little bit batman puts things together here he understands who the third batman is he understands who the three batman are because of his life flashing before his eyes or fever dream whatever we're talking about it so now let's talk about the other side of that deprivation chamber experiment dr hurt repeated it on a series of willing policemen volunteers because he is trying to produce another Batman. He's trying to produce another Batman that he can have some kind of control over. He didn't just observe Batman's life signs during that experiment. He examined Batman's brainwaves, Batman's reactions. He learned as much about Batman as Batman did himself, and now he's trying to create it. And his three creations 
are they flawed or are they intentional, right? We have the first one who's a cop with a gun who just walked right up and shot the Joker. Pretty effective compared to Batman in some ways. <laughs> we have the second one who is Bane Batman, who basically is just like a monster of his own creation. Pretty reflective of Batman in some ways. Mm-hmm. And then we have this third one who's almost like a, a full on Joker or Riddler style supervillain. Like a, like a um, hell Batman. Yeah, which is yeah. also Batman. Like, did did he fail? Really? These are three pretty authentic Batman that he turned out. uh i mean that's the biggest question right i mean they are in certain kinds of efficacy and like uh outward you know talents but like there is a i mean for all of the replication like these batman all crack in various ways you know they they crumble as to become like savage monsters like the bane they become this kind of like henchman hell demon like the third one and then the first one we don't see much but obviously you know he wasn't doing great himself so there's like this sing i mean there's the singular like enduring ability that bruce wayne has that they can't crack and they can't replicate and that that's definitely something that gets explored really really soon actually um so this is definitely something that get, kind of gets echoed later freya so it's like the Captain America replication, right? Like it's like yeah. you cannot you cannot create another Captain America because Steve was something different. Like it was Steve made Captain America, and now you can only pass the title on. You cannot have you cannot create another super soldier. So it's kind of like the idea of that because it's just like there is a secret sauce to being Bruce Wayne, and you know even though Doctor Hart kind of cracks that saying that the trauma makes him but it's not necessarily that it has to be something that you know you cannot create a batman in that way so mm-hmm. it's it's nearly impossible and it it's also makes like me that. think a lot about is, is that um, idea yeah it also makes me think a lot about the process of blowing glass and that when you're take <laughs> the glass right out of the forge and it's super hot it's incredibly malleable for a time and you can shape it you can squeeze it you can pull it like taffy And that, you know, these are things that you cannot do to glass when it gets cooled down. But also when the glass cools down, the things you put it through when it was malleable have an effect on the stability it has when it cools too. You know, is it going to be harder to crack, easier to crack? Is it going to be, you know, can you pick it up by certain angles without it falling apart? And that it's very much a story about Bruce Wayne. Like people are trying to make another Batman without wondering what made the man who became Batman. Batman didn't happen fully formed. He had 10 years of resiliency between his parents dying and Batman. And that's really important to who he is as Batman. And that made me reflect on the way that he was treating Damien back in the Damien and Son. Because the thing that he's doing as a mentor, as an adoptive father, is making sure that these boys, young men, young people with trauma um, get cooled down in a way that they don't totally crack and you can almost see it in jason todd that he like didn't get enough time with jason todd and then jason todd put another trauma on top of it and batman he it's too late to fix it you know like he can't repair it anymore and so on one hand you have these already adult men who are they're getting put through the batman process but it's like corrupting them in ways that maybe delight dr hurt but it's not making a batman really and then you have on the other side is damian too far along for Batman to like work this magic on? Or another really tough question, has Damien really had trauma? I mean, yes, because he's being raised in this brutal way, but not (laughs) trauma in the way that he would recognize it because to Damien, that's life. 
he's fine with it. You know, none of the yeah. other like Dick Grayson wasn't fine that his parents died like that. That that's different. And so and, you know, Jason Todd's whole early life was was trauma and, you know, and and um, being not an orphan, but. Well, I guess he is kind of an orphan at points. So I don't know. I guess the thing, the ball of wax that I'm trying to tie up here is like, it's only trauma if you acknowledge that it's trauma and you've got to have long enough to fix the trauma. That That's maybe my, and that's what makes Batman Batman and what makes Captain America Captain America, quite frankly, and Peter yeah. Parker, Peter Parker. Right. But you cannot, I mean, that's, that's one of the things like I think a lot of, like I've pretty much, I've read enough superhero runs now to kind of get to it it's like it's it, there's always been that one run it's like okay we want to replicate this whether that's an insidious force <laughs> trying to replicate it whether it's that united states government trying to replicate mm-hmm. it in this case this was kind of like and i don't know as i was reading it i'm like okay police force mm, mm, militarized mm. Police force. Mm, i don't know about that uh so yeah so the thing is like there is a lot like it's like there's always this storyline and then at the end of the day you always come down to the same same conclusion is that heroes are not replicable you you cannot replicate the same thing you can pass on the mental that's different but the the reason what makes batman batman what makes captain steve sorry what makes bruce wayne batman what makes steve rogers captain america Mm -hmm. what makes bruce banner hulk cannot be replicated again uh, you know I, it's mm. it, it it has to be like other ways of passing on the mental it cannot be and to me that is the power of superhero comics i yeah. absolutely love it because of that and be- that's one of the reason every time there is a mental passing on i am there to read that <laughs> because uh it's it's it just shows the longevity of that car- of that character it shows longevity of that hero title it's mm-hmm. it's amazing i want to yeah and i think that helped me maybe say the thing i wasn't saying before and i'll put a little tag on that before i move us to an interstitial topic which is that um a lot of times batman's villains the problem is the trauma never did get healed and then they're villains yeah. you know like we people love to be like oh batman's not so different than the villains but that it actually is the difference that yeah and yes. i I think with Damien, it's kind of like what Batman realizes, and I think what we're going to see some other characters realize later in this run, is that you have to give him some sense of like joy and normalcy to yeah. make sure that he understands that thing that happened before his trauma so that he can eventually heal the trauma so that he eventually can be a better Batman well, it's, if, he, if he's going to eventually be Batman. You know, yeah, that's like, that's the overall arc that we're going through. Yeah, Damien and, Damien and I'm sorry, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson were like, open wounds that they had to work through. Damien is like emotionally stunted because he just doesn't understand things. Cause he's been in such like a specialized environment. Like it's and if like, you first that person to just be Batman, they become a super. No, yeah. It's, it's learning. He's got a weirdly more gentle arc where he's learning how to be more just like a compassionate human than working through pain, which is like kind of a, a, a interesting kind of contrast to his dad. Hmm. And I'm, we, I, we, I would be uh, hard pressed if we were moving on from it without telling that the reason I've actually learned to understand superhero from that way is from Irredeemable by Mark Wade because oh. the fundamental point of that is is like what makes Superman mm. like Superman yeah. is not made because he's Krypton Superman is the way he is because he's Clark Kent and yeah. it's it's the so that has been like you know since then the way I've been looking at superhero has completely changed. I love that. 
Well, that's a perfect tip for a question that I'm only aiming at Harry, which he might just give us a wink and a nod, because I think it has to do with things that are upcoming. Before we stop talking about 674, in one of his flashman flashbacks, Bruce mm-hmm. says that any kind of moment of weakness or blackout puts everyone at risk. So he must put away his Batman costume and retire from crime fighting. A Robin at, with him at that point, who I think is Dick Grayson, says no, but Batmite hovering over his shoulder says, I must put away my Batman costume and retire from crime fighting. <laughs> wonder who put that in your command in your head, Bruce. Come on, don't look so confused. You're only having a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> this was so satisfying to read, and it was so satisfying to read one of the um, uh, the Black Casebook files that we read um yeah there is uh there's something going on deep in the subconscious right now that is uh all about the uh killing an ideal and killing something that uh is is killing an idea so to speak um so this is definitely you're definitely onto something and we will definitely <laughs> get to it later and i'm very excited to freeha might know what i'm talking about it's, Maybe. it's also, it's, it's all, no, I mean, I, I kind of got a hint of her, but it's also kind of like the uh, thesis statement of Dark Knight by Chris Nolan, that it's the yeah. idea, Batman as an idea. You have to understand, so basically this, around this and Batman R.A.P. came out, like, or at least I was reading that the exact same time Dark Knight hit, and that was mm-hmm. like very important f- me forming my idea of like what Batman is, like what this character is, which is a you know, an unyielding kind of symbol, Mm. which, you know, is just, that's where my basis is for this character. So we're going to roll into issue 675, which kind of stands apart from this arc in a way, but kind of is a little bit of a, puts a pin in the arc. So Jet and Bruce are at dinner and Jet is like, you're clearly hiding something. You're always beat up. You're always disappearing hilariously. And in a, in a moment, I will always remember, she says, are you into S&M? Because she's not wrong. She's not totally wrong. Uh, No, she's onto something. (laughs) Morrison is really exploring here how thin the veneer of Bruce on top of Batman seems the closer you get to Bruce. It's not a good paint job, right? Yes. He's not. And it goes back to the voice, the acting, the everything. His Bruce ain't great. You can see through it. Um, Similarly, at the same time, Morrison is using Talia, who's observing all of this, to comment on Bruce's disposable women. She says they've all got these Bond girl alliterative names and none of them understand him or love him like I do because Talia is not looking at the Bruce Wayne veneer. She's appreciating Bruce Wayne by being able to see what's underneath of it. Um, I think we kind of have covered this, so I don't know if I've descended around for discussion. I just think it's interesting how Morrison like really just puts it on the page, you know, straight up here. What I, what I love about this run, and it, it really picks up more in the third act, but like, you know, for all of his positioning, Bruce Wayne and Batman is this like, like super like er human who's just like this perfect design. He also is pretty fine pointing out the flaws and the weird cracks in this entire idea and just how flimsy Bruce Wayne is. Like he's okay taking the piss out of this character. And like that, I think there's like an honesty and like a uh, kind of like a tongue in cheekness there. It's never like overwhelming or overpowering, but there's always like, he's willing to engage with the things of this character that don't fully click or don't hold up like incredibly well. Mm. Um, I also want to say that the art in this issue is kind of bad and I don't <laughs> like the issue very much. <laughs> That's I- I, I really like the uh, towards the end though because when it's like Bruce Wayne is turning into Batman like you know it's like yeah. walk away like, but you he know, looks and, like such a goblin and, in that scene I don't I, know oh yeah I mean that's true I mean Batman is oh. like, oh, 
but uh, but the thing is like um i was i was actually like talking about the voice and then that was like sure, the sure. place where it's like it came back to me is like when he says walk away i yeah. heard it in the gravelly voice like i did it was it came back to that whole voice thing that we saw in the first uh issue of morrison that you know because i feel like at that point he stopped talking like bruce wayne and then the Batman voice came out and that gave Jezebel the thing like okay not just the I don't think it's just the shadow or anything yeah I think she saw voice. through the veneer for other right. reasons and that's yeah yeah, yeah and it was it. the voice that got there um, but then I also want to mention that I'm super uncomfortable in the number of people that knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman and so I know still I was thinking not that this public time knowledge too. Like, so it's, I, it just really annoys me it's one of those things I'm like seriously this is not my yeah, this is not my favorite part of the run for reasons we're just going to have to get into later. Uh, not to not to keep us on this, but also Damian Wayne looks like at least eighteen in this. Oh movie. yeah, he's drawn that, badly. Yes. You know, when you he's, draw young yes. characters, you shouldn't put it's that hard. Many lines on their face. Lines yeah, on the like, face age a character. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's interesting. It is like it's a nice way of showing like they are like one and the same. Bruce and Batman, like that. That's executed well. I just. The stuff with Jezebel has never been like my whole favorite of this, but we're really just going to have to get into that next episode or um, further down the line. Well, yeah. I think there's two things to pull out of this before yeah. we wrap it up. So one is that Dick and Tim are just making the rounds because Bruce is on a date. So it's up to Dick and Tim <laughs> to take care yeah, of Gotham. And they're just having this casual chat about Batman's various deprivation experiments <laughs> as they're just knocking out all of these like easy to fight criminals throughout the city, which I think is really funny because it's it kind of talks about the kind of mechanical part of Batman that we don't always get to see. Like we don't need an issue anymore of Batman beating up the dog gang or whatever they're called here. <laughs> that would be the Batman story that we would have seen in the Golden Age or the Silver Age. And it, mm. it's kind of like a little joke that Marston's making about like, yeah, somebody's still taking care of that stuff. It's, it's the, the what the boys do when they ha- head out for the night, you know, on their own. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. But the other thing to bring in is that this is where the other issue from 52 that is in the beginning of the omnibus comes into play. That is issue okay. number 30. 30. Uh, mm-hmm. Because this person who breaks in and interrupts the dinner is uh, the, a blindfolded man with with 10 eyes in his hands, except for he's lost one of his fingers, so just nine. They're only tattoos, but mystically, or maybe just because he's doing some kind of daredevil gag, he still sees everything, which made me think of the interesting question again, bringing it all back to acting that we've been talking from the beginning. Um, would Daredevil know immediately that Bruce Wayne is Batman? Harry? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, I, well... It, or is this based on heartbeat? I'm getting too into this. I don't part, know. Based on everything, yeah. Freya, would he know? No, it's based on smell. He knows. He, yeah, it's it's, it's true. It's, back to smell. Smell. <laughs> no, it's his love language it's, is smell. It's, yeah. it's whole. It's his whole thing. It's it's smell is his whole thing. And then also like the voice, he can recognize the difference of the voice. Like he will yeah. know. He will know when when Bruce talks, like or Batman talks, he will figure it out. Like he will know. I was. I was. And then when yeah. Bruce talks, he will know that this is a different. The voice shifted. He will I mean, know that. And stupid, then the thing yeah. is. Yeah, he has this whole thing is like he can under- smell people's uh, all the disease people have inside of him. That's like that was his one thing in the Mark Waves run when uh, Foggy right. got Foggy got cancer. 
yeah. which now leads to the question how Wait he knows how he knows to stand next to Deadpool then because oh. <laughs> uh, it's often. yeah so, the, the, but the thing is he will know based on smell and the voice well the thing that made me think about that actually was this comment that you, you both made about how Jet kind of sees through him before she realizes in the kitchen and that like is it the voice and it made me think that like Bruce does this thing when he's Bruce Wayne, but they're in a dangerous situation somewhere at some fundraiser or whatever. And you can see it very much in the movies, especially in Dark Knight, where he kind of yeah. like takes charge in a way that isn't fully identifiable as Batman, but it's way more intimidating than Bruce Wayne typically would be. And he usually yes. points it just, just as an assailant so that the people around him like don't really notice. But in this instance he's got to like move this guy like away from the table and so he does it but it's like in the moment of doing it it's almost like both to the guy who i think already knows but then also to jet like it's obvious that he's not bruce wayne and it's it kind of just made me think of like daredevil and like in these moments bruce has to break the bruce wayne character a little bit even if he's not fully being batman but that that's that's where his um you know that's where bruce wayne begins to die in those moments when did i die you're making me like this issue more, dude. I don't. <laughs> you do. It's you've a... been doing it to me on these issues. I know. So yeah, it's fair only points. fair that I do it back to you and. Okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, I don't know. Like uh, to me, Bruce, Bruce Wayne died long ago. Like at some point, like you know, at some between between his parents dying and between him coming back at Batman, it he he was gone. I, I never got over that, and that was that. I think this. I think the questions raised here are answered in interesting ways because i don't think this run like s- continues on the way that was probably initially planned but like the ant the questions i think are somewhat answered in interesting ways the further we go on um i i'm kind of excited to see how we all feel as we get <laughs> on the other end of this adventure near the end but we'll have to wait on that well that is a perfect wrap-up for this group of issues uh which end with Probably the most exciting shadow puppetry that we've seen in comics in quite some time. As Jet adds her own ears to Batman. (laughs) All it takes, if anybody ever was just... If Uh, if he ever went to a kind of a party where he'd be voguing, he would be found out immediately. And so she finally puts the last piece of the puzzle in and realizes that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Batman. Or Batman is Bruce Wayne. Dun, dun, dun. That's the end of our discussion of this set of issues. Uh, I'm really excited to dig into the next issues because it feels like we've got the major villains, antagonists, foes, all kind of yes. lined up here between these three men and and Dr. Hurt and Black Glove and Talia. And it just feels like now the run is kind of ripe uh, and, it's, and it's ready to hit its stride. But who knows? Harry's saying that he has some mixed feelings about this next part of the run. So I, I, I haven't read ahead. I have no recollection of reading it the first time. It's all going to be a surprise to me. Uh, Freya... Why are we doing this? Getting together, reading Batman, all of this Batman, three omnibuses worth of Batman, and a case book, and two <laughs> trade paperbacks. Why are we doing this? Maybe we want to fall in love with Batman. We want to figure out what's it about, you know. And then we also can change Harry. him. Yeah, maybe yeah. we can change him. Are you putting this on me again? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want to know about when Bruce Wayne died. I want to understand more about why Batman lives. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Like something along that line. Like we want to 
want him to be happy. We want him to be whole again. And you know, so it just it's it's just part of that. And because also Harry told us too. Yeah, that's important. Thanks, guys. <laughs> well, like you can keep reading in the omnibus. As we have mentioned, we are going to go back for that uh, that whole resurrection of Ra's al Ghul. But if you read it already, or if you don't want to read it, or whatever, we we have no no shame in that for you. But then we are going to continue to issue six seventy six through six eighty one. Uh, and also, I believe there's a little insert from DC Universe Zero in the omnibus. Yeah. So if you're reading digitally or or in floppies, make sure you catch that little bit. But that's what we're going to be reading next time, and we are so excited to continue on our Crushing Comics book club for Grant Morrison's Batman. So for myself, on the behalf of also Freya and Harry, thank you so much for listening and being part of this with us. And we look forward to getting to speak with you again. And until we do, we hope that you are well. Bye.